African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. This is a very significant historical election. This crisis is still damaging, especially Finnish and European economies very hardly, and that's an important reason to get more and more co- cooperation. And uh, what we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of uh, Tiwonge and uh, Stephen, and also we see Malawi violating its international commitments. Well, the position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting for marine species in particular. African Dialogue, a talk show where we cover anything and everything. Well, you tuned in to Channel Africa, your gateway to Africa and the voice of the African Renaissance. Yes, the time right now is 11 o'clock, time for African Dialogue. For this hour, we'll be discussing the launch of the international campaign against uh, violence against women and children. Very interesting topic here. And uh, really looking at uh, this uh, issue of gender-based violence uh, as a a human rights issue. And we'll be looking at uh, that particular uh, launch to Today and how significant this uh, uh, campaign is. But before we get into that, let's get our news from Enusa. In the headlines, Kenyan civil servants warned to leave northeastern regions hit by insurgent attacks. The United Nations launches a campaign to combat violence against women and children. And the U.S. condemns the Gambia's new homosexuality law. A very good morning to you. Thousands of Kenyan civil servants, teachers and medics have been warned by the unions to leave northeastern regions hit by a wave of insurgent attacks. The call follows attacks over the weekend claimed by Somalia's Al-Shabaab in which 28 non-Muslims were executed on a bus near the northeastern town of Mendera. Of those killed, 24 were teachers and three medics. Al-Shabaab says the bus attack was carried out in revenge for police raids on mosques in Kenya's key port of Mombasa. Meanwhile, hundreds of people are due to march through the capital, Nairobi, later today in a demonstration, a demonstration calling for reinforced security measures. The United Nations warns that an escalating trend of massacres is emerging in eastern DRC, saying the security situation in Bini in the eastern part of the country has been steadily deteriorating over the past few weeks. There have been a series of attacks in which over 100 civilians, mostly women and children, have been killed. Violence between armed groups, including Ugandan-based rebels, continue in the region. The United Nations has launched a campaign to combat violence against women and children. This comes as South Africa launches its own annual national initiative, 16 Days of No Violence Against Women and Children campaign. The UN has chosen the color orange as a symbol of highlighting the abuse. UN Women's Director Pumzle Mlambunguka has called on people of the world to dress in orange. We're talking about oranging your neighborhood, as the young people would say, orange your hood, because we're shining a bright light on violence against women. Orange is a very bright uh, color. Uh, We are shining a light in schools, in the streets, homes, uh, places of work, professional bodies, in order to generate a conversation that includes everybody because the scale of the violence against women requires everyone to be involved. Meanwhile, Mlambunguka has challenged men to take the lead in the campaign. We want a lot of men to be involved in the conversation because, as, as you know, Shawin, we would often have these events, women talking to women. And finally, the U.S. says it's deeply concerned about a new law making homosexuality punishable by life in prison in Gambia 
where gays already have endured years of intolerance and harassment. The measure, signed into law last month by President Yaya Jema, targets people deemed guilty of aggravated homosexuality, who could face life in prison as could people with HIV. Before October, same-sex relationships in Gambia were already punishable by up to 14 years in jail. Recapping the top stories, Kenyan civil servants warned to leave the northeastern regions hit by insurgent attacks. The United Nations launches a campaign to combat violence against women and children. And the U.S. condemns, condemns Gambia's new homosexuality law. Well, you are listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. And I did mention today we're looking at uh, what uh, Anne was highlighting there, the launch of this international campaign against women, against children and uh, violence. And uh, uh, today we're going to be just uh, looking at the significance of this uh, particular day and what it means uh, for the continent, what it means for countries like South Africa that are advocating this particular day, especially uh, when you look at a uh, Democratic countries such as South Africa and other African countries. Are there any milestones in terms of uh, those gender issues? Now, the international community is today marking the beginning of the 16 days of activism against uh, uh, violence against women and children. And uh, the the days will be an international campaign uh, observed from today to the 10th of December to raise awareness of the negative impact that violence has on women, children and society. Now, this year's campaign will be held under the theme, Count Me In, Together Moving a Nonviolent South Africa Forward. And I'm sure that's the South African campaign and not the international campaign. The campaign will also mark its 16th anniversary of raising gender-based violence in South Africa, reflecting on 20 years of democracy there and 60 years of the Women's Charter. But we'll also be looking at, not from just a South African perspective, but from a continental perspective. On the line, we have uh, Mule. Mwanadyanga, who is a campaign deputy director for Amnesty International, as well as Catherine Robinson, who is the editor and communications manager for Gender Links. Now, let me start with you, Catherine. Uh, From a South African perspective, as I've mentioned this year, the 16 Days of Activism Against Women and Children campaign comes as South Africa marks 60 years uh, since the signing of the Women's Charter on the 17th of April 1954 in Johannesburg and uh, basically after all we've seen in the 20 years of our democracy we've seen some strides in certain areas of our society but hey a lot still needs to be done uh, especially when we consider the brutality women are going through in this country can we elaborate on the work that still needs to be done especially in South Africa despite this flourishing democracy uh, hi, thank you very much for having me. Um, yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, South Africa has made some incredible strides when it comes to gender equality. Um, but yeah, we've got a lot of work to do considering that, you know, according to GenderLinks' research on um, gender-based violence in this country, half of women, 50% of women have experienced some form of violence in their lifetime. Um, and I think those statistics speak for themselves. Uh, we've got fantastic uh, legislation, but hmm. is there's, there's a there's a disjuncture between implementation and uh, this legislation, and can we really say that we have a fl- flourishing democracy? You know, when hmm. half of our women experience uh, some form of gender-based violence, we've also made strides when it comes to women in political decision making i mean that has that has a great impact on uh, advancing gender gender equality however in the last elections we've seen a slide um, and a decline in the representation of women in political decision making um, and still in the media hmm. uh, women's voices are largely unheard and when they are heard they are largely Uh, represented in stereotypical and problematic ways. So we've got a lot of work to do. Mm. 
Mm. Now, let, let me take this to Malaya Mwanyanyanga, who is from uh, the Amnesty International. Now, when we look at it from a continental uh, perspective, Malaya, in terms of uh, what's happening on, on the continent, when we look at this issue of uh, uh, the rights of women, protecting women, where are we on the continent? Um, thank you very much. I, I think that we are... We have made some strides, mm. as the previous speaker has, has said, but there's still a lot to be done. And in some cases, I think that we're actually sliding down the scale, mm. particularly in areas um, where um, there is conflict. So, for example, if you look at uh, the areas around the Great Lakes um, and um, parts of the Horn of Africa, so Somalia, um, the Sudan there, um, the DRC, there's a, a lot of um, violations that are happening and the problem actually is more insidious because you have um, violations against women mm. that are happening, uh, that are perpetrated by non-state actors as well as the uh, inertia by the state to actually act on people that perpetrate this. So it's quite a serious problem and in places where they for example, I mean, if you come down to our, re- our own region here in southern Africa, in countries like Zambia, where it's uh, relatively peaceful, there are still so many patriarchal attitudes that um, make it difficult for women to enjoy their full um, sexual and reproductive rights. Mm. So there's lots of... Um, uh, um, victimization of women uh, just because they are women and uh, the women's voice is not really really heard so we're not having um, women uh, centered discussions we're having discussions where a woman is brought in mm. or particularly in countries like I say that are that seem to be peaceful where you have a minister for women's affairs that is a woman uh, what are states doing to actually mm. encourage both sexes to um, talk about issues that are affecting that are affecting women. So we still have a long way to go, and we need more champions. And when I say we need more champions, we need to to hear an alternative voice, mm. and that alternative voice could be a male voice. So where are the male champions yeah. of women's um, rights? Where are the ministers of women's affairs? that are men yeah. so you know it's there's lots of um issues there still yeah, I think you bring in interesting dynamics there because sometimes this issue of uh, women's protection and women's rights are brought in by women. I mean, I've got uh, three women joining me on the show. I think that's also just a, a little bit of a contradiction whereby we need to see men coming into the fold and actually participating in these discussions. But uh, I want to move on to Bridget Sillian, who's the program officer for the Interparliamentary Union, and uh, she's working on a program to end violence against women and girls. Now, tell us a little bit, uh, Bridget, uh, thank you for joining us here on the program, but tell us what the Interparliamentary Union is doing during this period. I think it's interesting that uh, the uh, Parliamentary Union is part of this. Just tell us a little bit about what you're up to. Yes, thank you for uh, having me on the show. Um, Yes, the Interparliamentary Union has been waging a campaign for um, to uh, to support the effort of Parliament to end violence against women for some time now. And this year, uh, for the uh, 25th of November, um, we choose to uh, focus on uh, the, um, the girls, violence against girls, because we see now uh, that, no, we know that violence is a world, uh, is an issue in every country, and um, that um, women are facing uh, sexual, emotional, physical abuse everywhere in the world, and girls are also facing this uh, violence, but many other kinds of violence, like uh, child marriage and female genital mutilation, for instance, and we wanted to focus on this a little bit more because um, we're working with parliament and parliamentarians to um, ensure that they, uh, because they are, um, they are working on legislation, so we uh, want to work with them and uh, raise their capacity, uh, train them to make sure that they have the good laws to uh, protect women, um, but also that they are also there when it's time to implement those laws. 
um, and because they can do a lot, they have the potential if they really have um, the political will and able to put pressure on their government, uh, they can uh, they can do a lot. So we decided to focus on um, child marriage because in um, we know now that thirty four percent of girls are married by eighteen in most of the developing developing world and uh, and one of seven in seven is uh, married before 15 and same thing for female genital mutilation we uh, 3.3 million girls are at risk each year um, uh, to uh, be no, at risk to be cut so um, and there's so many uh, harmful consequences about these two forms of violence uh, there are health consequences but also um, other kinds of consequences because when when a child is um, is uh, married, uh, she's she's at risk of more um, uh, of, of being victim of domestic violence mm, and mm. being infected by HIV/AIDS, yeah. for instance. And and most of the time, when um, a, a girl child is uh, married, she's been put out of school and uh, mm. so she does not have access to education anymore and it's a great loss for uh, for her, for her uh, upcoming children and also for the society. Yeah. And also one just last consequence is very important, it's the um, pregnancy, uh, pregnancy death rate. Uh, we know that uh, the pregnancy that rate is twice mm. um, uh, for a young uh, bride than uh, for women uh, in the in their twenties, for instance. Mm. Well, I want to focus on that this year. Yeah, well, well, I think you're also focusing on very interesting areas, which I want us to speak about a little a bit later. But I, I want to come back to you, Catherine. We hear that Bridget is highlighting issues of legislation and making sure that there are right rules. But sometimes it's an issue of what's happening on the ground. And just from a personal experience, I know I, I lived in a very abusive family where my father was very abusive towards my mother. And then we'd call the cops and the cops would walk in and they'd definitely see that there's chaos in the house, there's broken glasses, the furniture is all around, they'd see my mother crying, they'd see the face is bruised, and then my father would negotiate with the police. I mean, this is 1998, 1999, and uh, definitely they'll negotiate, talk to them, and actually uh, demean my mother, actually saying, hey, this is woman, women are problematic, and they would have a conversation, the, the, the cops would uh, go out and leave, and hey, we'd go back into the disaster once more. Catherine, as a practical thing, how do we make sure that the law is followed through? Because sometimes from uh, uh, behind uh, uh, closed doors, we're not really seeing the law coming into practice here. Yeah, you really hit the nail on the head. That's you know that's that's uh, that's very common across our, our societies. Is oh. that I mean you know in South Africa the Domestic Violence Act says that police, as soon as they hear a report of domestic violence, they're supposed to arrest the perpetrator. But unfortunately, because women are less empowered, which I'll get onto just now about economic empowerment, mm. um, which is our main theme this year. Um, but because women are less empowered, they're in a, they, are, <laughs> they find themselves in a position where you've got the police coming in and, 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 that's, and that's what happens. You have, you have the, the kind of man of the house huh. negotiating with the police. And who are the police? Generally, Amen. men. Hmm. Um, and, and that's part of the problem is that not only do we as citizens not know our rights, but the the executives and the and the people that are supposed to be uh, you know enforcing that law and that legislation are not properly trained. I mean, and that's a, that's a really a big part of the problem is that you know the most predominant form of violence is perpetrated behind closed doors. I mean, mm. that's also part of the theme of 16 Days is peace in the home. That's where it starts. Peace begins at mm. home um, because the most predominant form is intimate partner violence and interpersonal violence. Mm. Um, and you know when 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 we have also class divides uh, cutting into gender gender equality and gender issues, mm. um, you know when people are less able to access uh, justice and recourse, they find themselves having to go back into abusive relationships, and that that also links directly to women's economic uh, disempowerment and lack of autonomy. Mm. Um, 
you know, when, and that, that, like I said, that's the theme for, uh, one of the primary themes this year for Genderlinks is empowering women, is because there's a, there's a direct link between, between women's um, economic autonomy and her ability to, for voice, choice, and control, for her ability to leave abusive relationships. So mm-hmm. uh, this year and, and, and last year, Genderlinks has been rolling out an entrepreneurship program across the region to try and um, empower survivors of violence so they no longer have to go back to abusive relationships because unfortunately when women are dependent on men and dependent on others for their survival and the survival of their children, Hmm. unfortunately they become trapped in these abusive relationships and are less able to escape. Um, But yeah, it's, it's incredibly important that we work with our local municipalities and our local government to ensure that our policing forums and our police um, officers are trained mm. to deal with domestic mm. violence because that is how it's perpetually seen as a private as a private issue that must be dealt with in the home and that is not the case. Yeah, this is where you know the, this is where most of the violence takes place. Well, I want to come back to you, Mulewa, and uh, look at some of the areas that you covered there because you were looking at conflicts and we know that uh, women are affected in, in conflicts when you look at uh, the figures that are released. I mean, I mean, the numbers don't really matter because these are human beings, but the scale of it is hectic because you're seeing between 250,000 to 500,000 women and girls being raped uh, during the 1994 genocide in Rwanda and uh, we're seeing in the Democratic Republic of Congo an estimate of more 400,000 women who have been raped during the last decade of fighting. The numbers continue because we can't really dehumanize this uh, experience because when we look at conflict, it's, it's sometimes just uh, we see the numbers. But how do we deal with this from a continental perspective as the African Union, as government, and also as regions? Yeah, no, you're quite right. I think um, at Amnesty International right now, we have a global campaign that's called My Body, My Rights. Mm. And that campaign is focused primarily at issues around uh, women's autonomy and um, sexual and reproductive uh, rights of everybody, really. But I think that in answer to your question around what needs to be done, I think that we do have, I mean, we have a global as well as a regional normative framework within which we can address gender-based violence and ensure that our countries are active in ending all forms of violence against women and girls, including acting with due diligence to prevent acts of gender-based violence by non-state actors, like I said um, earlier. Mm. So we have uh, international human rights treaties, and we also have, uh, in Africa, we also have our own regional uh, uh, treaties, the Maputo Protocol, for example. Um, so they, we, we do have that framework. What needs happening, however, is that that framework is operationalized by our government. So we need to have a, a, a population that actually calls on our leaders. So we go to parliament, we go to our government, mm-hmm. and ask them to actually work around issues of implementation all of all of these uh, laws that are there because we do have very beautiful I mean Africa is one country that has a lot of beautiful policies mm. that are you know collecting dust um, in people's um, offices but if they were implemented then a lot of these questions would be uh, would be would be answered um, so in terms of um, the you know the 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 rights that are affected uh, by women you know that uh, whose, whose, whose rights have been violated, um, I mean, it, it affects every aspect. So, uh, for example, the previous speaker was just talking about um, women not being able to have the autonomy to decide on a lot of things because they depend probably on husbands or partners and so on and so forth. Mm. But also women have um, the lack of freedom of expression, you know, because they're too scared to come out and, you know, and negotiate their way through. So, you know, difficulty in negotiating things like condom use, for example, that is a problem. So it threatens a lot of other rights, like the right to life, for example, the right to equality, you know, um, liberty and security of the person, equal protection, equality in the family. There's so many of those rights that are so interlinked, and those can only be addressed if there's a concerted effort from everyone, including 
um, communities ourselves, we need to start that change within ourselves and actually bringing some of these issues out to light. So talking about it in private and public spaces, I think that's going to also grab the attention of policy makers. Mm, definitely. Now I'm going to take a little break. I'll come back uh, to you, Bridget. But uh, I want to hear from you, our listeners. And I know you can't call in because we uh, really broadcast throughout the continent. But send us your SMSs in terms of the fight against uh, um, gender-based violence, especially against women specifically. That's what we're looking at today. Where do you think we are as a continent? Where are we finding challenges in this regard? Send us your SMSs on plus two seven eight two three three two five nine zero five. That's plus two seven eight two three three two five nine zero five. We're going to take a short break. One in three women suffer from abuse and violence in her lifetime. This is an appalling human rights violation, but it is not inevitable. We can put a stop to this. Won't you help? Australian actress and Unifem Goodwill Ambassador Nicole Kidman joined the 16 Days of Activism Against Women and Children, Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Well, you are listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. And uh, yes, uh, that's what we're focusing on today, uh, the issue of uh, this uh, uh, really launch. Today's uh, is the 25th and uh, really launching this activism campaign against uh, the abuse and violence against women and uh, children. But I want to actually move on. Uh, on the line, we have uh, Mulewa Mwanandianga, who is a campaign deputy director from Amnesty International. We also have Bridget Cillian, who's a program officer inter-parliamentary union working on a program to end uh, violence against women and girls. That's what they're focusing on today. And uh, we also have Catherine Robinson, editor and communications manager from Gender Links. And I think uh, we've laid really a foundation of uh, some of the challenges we're finding here in terms of uh, this issue. And someone uh, was listening to a local radio station in South Africa and they were highlighting why is this day important? Does it make a difference? I don't think it's really about the day itself making a difference but it's about creating an awareness especially during this period and i don't think the campaign itself can actually bring a change but actually it's important for us to actually partake in these conversations and be part of the dialogue because the more we talk about it the more we can actually uh, find areas that hey we can be responsible as individuals but Bridget in terms of uh, what you're looking at as the interparliamentary union focusing on uh, the issue of uh, girls especially uh, violence against girls um, uh, where are we finding uh, the most uh, problematic areas in implementing these laws because it's good enough to create the laws but implementation is sometimes a challenge for Africa? Yes, it's a challenge. Uh, it's a challenge worldwide uh, in, in for uh, to implement uh, laws on uh, violence against women and girls. Uh, right now, it's the most important challenge we, uh, because uh, we can say that in uh, two-thirds of the countries have now have laws, uh, for instance, to, on domestic violence or law on sexual violence. And, uh, but in most of the countries, they are not implemented. Um, maybe I wanted to focus uh, some very interesting things that have been said right now uh, that on um, on what can be done to 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 enforce law and and to uh, enhance implementation. Mm. And this this issue about regular tra- regular training. Uh, for police and all the uh, service provider, apartheid. I, I, I think it's really, really important uh, because um, they have to be supportive and sensitive when women come uh, uh, to and ask uh, help. And also, police has to be trained to be able to gather the evidence uh and and to for the prosecution and to make sure afterwards that uh prosecutor will be um uh will be sanctioned and punished uh 
and another thing that we've heard, it's really important also, is the close collaboration between mm-hmm. uh, parliamentarians, government, and civil society associations and uh, organizations. I think this is fundamental, and uh, at the IPU we want to, uh, we, we always try to uh, make the link between uh, police uh, policymakers and um, the association and the civil society, mm. because real progress we see it as can only result from the the combined effort of all these uh, the actors that are at the forefront of the elimination of violence against women. Mm. And uh, another thing really important for uh, effective implementation is uh, linked to changing mentalities, changing cultures, and um, changing the gender inequalities in our cultures. And that's why we think it's really important uh, to have a sustained, effective awareness-raising campaigns. And uh, uh, the uh, 16 Days of Activism is a very good uh, initiative, but it has to be also done all all year all uh, long. Mm. Uh, Very important. All citizens, men, women, boys, girls, really must understand that there's nothing private about violence and it cannot be tolerated mm. and we will be able to eliminate it when uh, there won't be any tolerance uh, about uh, the, this phenomenon. Mm. Now, let me move on to you, Catherine. I think uh, Bridget is highlighting interesting things. And for me, there's a thread that comes through consistency, really, is, is a, a word that comes to my mind in terms of uh, how we actually implement these issues, how we actually make sure that even throughout the year, as Bridget highlights, there's a consistency in how we deal with these matters. Um, looking at an issue, I think it was you or Molea highlighted the issue of getting men involved. I know as a man who's mm. seen this whole um, abuse and how, how bad it is, violence against women, and how almost it's like um, becomes mundane and normal if you're part of the whole experience. How do we get men to actually advocate um, and send the right messages against this, uh, this, 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 this phenomenon? Um, I believe it was our other colleague and speaker who mm. mentioned the, the importance of, of, of including men, so perhaps I can... Uh, I can get her to answer the question. Okay, Malaya, what's your view then? Yes, okay, yeah. So I, I do think that, um, you know, I mean, governments, I think communications from governments are very, very powerful mm. to communities. So we have uh, in a lot of our, you know, uh, countries, uh, information ministries or communications ministries, and I do think that there is a role that could be played uh, by the government to educate the, the public um, mm. about um, issues around um, uh, sexual and gender-based violence. So if that is started at community level and you get people uh, talking about it at community level, then it just won't be an issue about women sitting somewhere in a corner mm. and talking about these issues. It will be um, a whole group of, um, of, 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 of people talking about it. That is one side of the coin. Mm. The other side of the coin is to actually have governments take really, really strong action to prevent sexual and gender-based violence. And um, in, in, in situations where the state has failed to prevent violence, it should investigate and prosecute acts of sexual and gender-based violence against women and girls whether the perpetrators are states or third-party actors and whether the crimes are perpetrated in the home or in detention or anywhere else. Mm. So it shouldn't matter if, for example, somebody says, well, I don't want to run a case against this man. Um, state agents should be able to move in and say, actually, he is a danger to society and he needs to be rehabilitated. And the way to rehabilitate him is to then arrest him and then um, put, uh, put in place corrective measures. So a lot of those things start happening, then we could pass ourselves in a situation where we have a lot of people interested in talking about these issues, but also acting against these 
um, violations. Mm. It's good to also speak about men and to speak about organizations and uh, it's good to speak about government and police, what they can do. But uh, what can women themselves do? You know, in, in some experiences that I've seen and some of the comments I've heard that especially in our township communities where I was raised, you'd hear a woman or a young girl saying, hey, he, he, he beat me up, but he loves me. You know, this is to, she's showing me that he actually loves me. If he didn't love me, he wouldn't actually do this to me. And sometimes it's a thing of... Changing our mindsets, Catherine. Mm-hmm. How far do we need to do that as women, and uh, actually change the way we see ourselves, change the way that uh, we actually look at these incidences? Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. Unfortunately, because patriarchy and misogyny mm-hmm. and the this culture of violence, um, and and patriarchy and, and and rape culture that that is so entrenched in our society. Unfortunately, the people who are oppressed, who are women, are also, they internalize that oppression and they internalize that misogyny. Um, That's how socialized we are. Um, So women, because of this internalizing of this oppression, we tend to perpetuate the problem as well. So we need to be very critical of, of, um, of, like you said, our mindsets. So both men and women need to be very critical about uh, what we think and how we and how we perpetuate um, gender inequality ourselves. Uh, there's a very fine line between perpetuation and perpetration. Hmm. Um, and as much as uh, men very much need to take responsibility for this, um, women do as well. Um, and then just going back to to how do we get more men involved, um, you know, because men are in a privileged position, it's very difficult for men to give up that privileged position and mm. take a stand against gender uh, inequality. Because unfortunately, inequality in, in all its different forms and all its different intersections, somehow we, we think about inequ- equality and inequality as a zero-sum game. Mm. So, you know, women's equality is somehow going to affect uh, men's, <laughs> men's standing in society. Mm. Um, which isn't the case. Equality fundamentally will improve the lives of everyone. And, and to get more men involved, it's about, you know, when, if we, could, we can also learn from the HIV and AIDS campaign in this country. As soon as men started realizing mm. that that disease was also affecting them, suddenly they started, uh, they started taking responsibility for it as well. And I think they need to do this, you know, gender-based violence affects everyone. It doesn't just affect women. Mm. It affects men. It, it produces very problematic masculinities. Yeah. And it has a huge effect on our sustainability and our development as a, as a country as a whole. I mean, according to a KPMG study, uh, GBV costs South Africa between 24 and 42 billion mm. rand a year. Can you mm. think about how much, how much of that money could go into development? Yeah. Um, and education and mm. all the other social mm. ills that we have to deal with. Mm. Um, and like, our, like our, our, our colleagues were saying, you know, a 365-day campaign is important. We need, you know, during 16 days of activism, we have the media, we have the government and other civil society organizations paying lip service to this uh, when we need tangible um, political will on a daily basis, both yeah. both as citizens, it is our social responsibility, as citizens, as government, as media, uh, it needs to be a 365-day campaign. And it's really important for government to show political will, not just by giving speeches during 16 days, yeah. but to actually uh, plan for gender and, and responding to gender-based violence in their national action plans. Um, this is incredibly important and not just planning for it but budgeting for it um, and it's important for the rest of the region as well you know South Africa has conducted a gender-based violence indicator study which is giving us baseline data mm. you know 50% women uh, experience some form of violence but what about the other countries if, you, if we if we don't have the data if we don't know what's happening on the ground how do we plan how do we respond to it effectively how do we how do we expect things to change so Really, we need we need the obligation to to pay attention to this this flagrant human rights violation that's so widespread. Mm. Um, it's really important that they it becomes part of uh, pri- a priority in our national action plan. 
Well, we're going to take one more break, and I don't know how to wrap up this uh, conversation, but uh, I think uh, when we come back, I want us to look at this theme, Count Me In, Together Moving a Nonviolent Society. Uh, That's the theme of South Africa. And uh, I want us to look at that, how can we all be involved uh, in in this particular fight? But what are your thoughts? Where are the challenges when it comes to this issue of violence uh, uh, against women and uh, children, especially when you look at uh, the issue of children, how they are affected. I know I was affected by this and it still kind of taunts me until today. But I uh, want to know your views. What are your challenges in this particular issue? You can SMS us on plus two seven eight two three three two five nine zero five. They're very gloomy, uh, but uh, I think I, I, I'm enjoying kind of uh, the conversation we're having because we're coming with a whole lot of solutions. But that's how I was going to wrap up the uh, conversation. But uh, moving together maybe is the way that we should wrap it up. We'll do that after this break. We believe that in order to really achieve gender equality, it's essential that we could advance much more women's empowerment. All of us deserve the same fair chance to contribute to our societies and live up to our potential. When everyone can contribute on an equal footing, our communities and nation are healthier and stronger. Socialist Party politician and the president of Chile, Michelle Bachelet, joined the 16 Days of Activism Against Women and Children, Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Yes, you are listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. The time right now is 11.40 Central African time. If you're listening to us on your shortwave radio service, you are listening to us on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa. But uh, if you're listening to us online, it's on www.channelafrica.org. But we have about four minutes left of the program, and I want us to look at this theme, Count Me In, and uh, the responsibility that we all have as individuals and know that uh, it affects uh, children, especially when you watch your mother being abused. It's something that actually taunts you for the rest of your life. But as a person who's experienced this, how can I be involved as Benjamin on, on the program, listening in to some of the views of our guests? Uh, Bridget, let me start with you. Uh, in terms of us as a civil society, as a government, what can we do to push this fight forward? Sorry? Yeah. I was, I was just, I was just asking you, Bridget, in terms of, uh, uh, with all of us, in terms of the theme of uh, South Africa, count me in together, moving a nonviolent South Africa forward. Okay. In terms of, from an individualistic perspective, and also from government and our uh, parliamentary uh, unions, what can we do to push the fight against uh, this violence against women and children? Mm. Okay. Uh, yeah, there, there's many things, uh, but the, uh, but first, the, the fact of being um, the, the fact of being aware that it's mm. not um, a private issue and that we have to uh, take a stand against uh, violence, change our way of thinking about it, change mm. our mentality. It's very important. Yeah. And uh, it begins uh, early, uh, early in school. It begins with young children. Mm. Uh, taught, we have to uh, make sure that they talk. Uh, they are taught about gender equality, about respectful relationships. Mm. I think all of us can work on uh, non-violence relationships and build. Uh, um, so this kind of um, uh, non-violent society, mm. and what you have uh, said about the role of men, I think it's fundamental because we know that uh, majority of men are non-violent, mm. and these men are really important. They, sh- they should be there and speak out mm. uh, um, and assume their responsibility alongside women yeah. to change uh to 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 construct a new a new way of uh, new relationships built on respect mm-hmm. and 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 that's uh that's something can be done at the at the local level but also all the way to top of government it, it we have to uh to involve men, and that's something that we are trying to do uh, at the ITU mm. with um, men MPs also. Uh, our program works um, 
both men and women parliamentarians. Yeah, I, I have um, to cut you off there, Bridget. Thing, I think it's really important is okay. the, the monitoring of the impact of the law, and it, we have to follow that, mm. make sure that the law is really implemented, uh, and and. Also, and 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 see what's working, what's mm. not working, and try to make the necessary adjustments. And this has to be done, as we said, uh, we already said, through a close collaboration with with uh, uh, the organization, the grassroots organization, mm. and uh, the government. This um, this is something fundamental. We just. It's not. Uh, it's not enough just to adopt the law, mm. and uh, we have to implement it and monitor uh, its implementation, its impact. Mm. And if we have to change it, uh, amend it, you know, enhance and um, improve it, it's something that we have to do. You know, every day we have to check if it's correctly implemented and uh yeah i, I have to wrap it up bridget voila, and, uh, yeah i have to bridge it up there but i think that uh, you summed it up very well i'm just running out of time because we have our uh, economics news that are coming up but i want to thank you bridget Cillian, the program officer of the interparliamentary union and uh, highlighting some of the work the ipu there is doing to end violence against women and girls also want to thank the editor and communications manager of uh, gender links Catherine robinson and uh, thank you as well to the campaign deputy director of uh, Amnesty International, and that's Molea uh, Mwanandianga. Thank you all for joining us, and I think it was a very productive uh, kind of conversations because we just didn't look the, at the problems. I think throughout the program, we also looked at the solutions. Thank you all for joining us here on African Dialogue. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Now, that's how we wrap it up. Uh, what a very... Uh, productive conversation. What's your view? Let us know your views on SMSing us on plus two seven eight two three three two five nine zero five. SMS us on plus two seven eight two three three two five nine zero five. Let's move on to our economics news. We sign in my table standing by. Good afternoon. Thanks, Benjamin. Kenya's largest mobile phone firm, Safaricom, has signed a deal with the government to construct a security system worth $165.2 million. The project was given the go-ahead by Parliamentary Committee on Administration and National Security in July, which cited last September's attack on the Westgate shopping mall in Nairobi and attacks on the coast in recent months as reasons to improve surveillance and security nationally. The awarding of the contract, uh, which is Safaricom, is, uh, which is 40% owned by Britain's Vodok phone sparked a row when critics complained that it has been awarded without an open bidding process. Under the terms of the contract, Safaricom will install and run a communication and surveillance system that is linked to police stations to help combat crime, initially operating in Nairobi and Kenya's second largest city, Mombasa. Meanwhile, Kenya's shilling has dropped to near three-year lows, weakened by dollar demand from companies, but its retreat was limited by speculation that the central bank might intervene to prop up the currency. Traders say the shilling still has a weakening bias after retreating yesterday. This after Islamist militants ambushed a bus and killed 28 people near the Somali border at the weekend. The central bank sold dollars last week to prop up the shilling on both occasions, offering dollars when the local currency was around 90.30 level against the dollar. The shilling has weakened by 4.64% against the dollar so far this year, under pressure due to a slump in revenue from tourism and a major hard currency earner that has been affected by a spate of militant attacks in East Africa's biggest economy. And South African furniture firm Steinhoff International will buy a 92% stake in clothing retailer Pepco in a $5.7 billion cash and share deal that gives it exposure to the fast-growing African apparel market. Steinhoff, a furniture retailer targeting budget-conscious shoppers in Southern Africa and Europe, says it will pay $5.7 billion to Pepco, which runs the Pep brand that sells everything from mobile phones to school uniforms. 
Steinhoff will buy the stake from private equity firm Breit, an entity controlled by Christo Visa, one of South Africa's best-known businessmen and top investor in African retail giant ShopRite. Pepco is also a prominent retail shop in Poland, allowing Steinhoff to accelerate its European expansion. Namibia's construction industry expanding at 9% annually, opening the sluice gates for bogus as well as foreign contractors. According to the Construction Industry Federation, this growth is due to the aggressive drive in public spending on large-scale projects to speed up infrastructure development and public services. Let's move now to the financial indicators. The dollar is at 10.97 South African rands and 9.07 Botswana Pulas and 6.30 against the Zambian Kwacha. Also trading at 0.63 against the British pound and 0.80 to the euro. Commodities gold at $1,198. Platinum $1,204 a fine ounce. Brent crude oil at $79.57 per barrel. That's how it's looking. Now let's move on to our sports feeling while she's standing by. In our sports update this hour, we're kicking off with football news. The newly hired head coach of the Lone Stars of Liberia, James Salinza Deba, has expressed confidence that his appointment in the beginning of the prosperous future of the Liberian football. The ex-Liberian celebrated football stars says his preferment will return the country to its rightful place in a continental and international football. Deba says the training and inclusion of former Lone Star players to spearhead the various teams is unprecedented in the history of the Liberian football. One of the former Lone Star players of the George Weyers 11, Jonathan Boy Charles Sogby, says the appointment of Deba is inspirational as a former linchpin player and argued that he carries the necessary ingredient to national teams and would serve as a role model. An English premiership side, Manchester City manager Manuel Pellegrini says he remains confident of qualification ahead of his side's must-win match at home to Bayern Munich despite his side's predicament in the competition. The Premier League champions are bottom of Group E with just two points from four games and require victories from the remaining two matches to stand a chance of qualifying for the last 16th of the UEFA Champions League. Well, I don't know who are those people that don't believe what we can do. I am sure that this team and me especially, we believe and we have a lot of trust that we can do it. So we see tomorrow after the game what happened and as I just said, I hope that we continue to have a chance till the last game. If beating the 2013 European and current German champions Bayern wasn't enough of a daunting task, City will be without suspended midfield pair Yaya Toure and Fernandinho, while playmaker David Silva and defender Alexander Kolarov are still sidelined through injury. No, I don't think so, because it's really that they have injury, but we also have important players out. We are not playing with Fernandinho, with Yaya, with Silva, with Seco, with Kolarov, that's a lot of injury. But I think that big teams has a squad and they have another names, an important name also that play very well. And I don't think that Bayern, because he's already qualified, he will play in the worst uh, in the worst way they are doing what they are, they are doing so far. So I, I am sure that we are going we are going to have a very tough game tomorrow. In rugby news, Springbok lose forward Warren Whiteley and prop Yanni Duplessis will not be available to face Wales in Cardiff at the weekend. Whiteley recently picked up a calf injury during training and has not recovered sufficiently to play in the final test of the season on Saturday. Duplessis, who missed the victory over Italy last weekend with a hamstring strain, has also not recovered in time. He will join two other tight head props, Franz Malherbe and Michel van der Merve, on the sidelines. In athletics, athletics world governing body, the IAAF, has ratified the men's marathon and 30-kilometer world record set by Kenyan duo of Dennis Kimeto and Immanuel Mutai at the September's Berlin Marathon. 
the IWAF has confirmed the usual ratification procedures and the two hours, 02 seconds and 57 seconds winning time clocked by Kimeto, as well as the one hour, 27 minutes and 37 seconds achieved by runner-up Mutai at the 30-kilometer mark are standing world records. The newly confirmed record holders have expressed interest in competing for their nation at the 2015 World Championships in Beijing. And finally, any else is dreaming of holding aloft the South African flag at the opening ceremony when golf returns to the Olympics in Brazil in 2016. The South African who has won four major championships and more than 60 titles around the world will be 46 when the sport returns to the game's fold in Rio de Janeiro following a 112-year absence. Els has struggled to make an impact on the world stage this year, slipping from 27th to 57th in the rankings after failing to win on the European Tour or US PGA Tour. 60 players will line up in both the men and women's 72 whole stroke play tournaments in Brazil. That's your sport news this hour. Well, that's how we wrap up this conversation. Let us in on your views on it uh, by SMSing us on plus two seven eight two three three two five nine zero five. What are the challenges when it comes to this issue of violence against women and children? We spoke about uh, genital mutilation. We spoke about we spoke about rape during conflict. We spoke about domestic violence. There are also other areas that we didn't even touch on. I mean, when you think about uh, uh, discriminatory laws regarding inheritance, property rights use of communal lands also the maintenance of the divorce widowhood it is a whole lot of stuff that affects women so hey let us know in on your thoughts we couldn't touch it all we had to be specific on this particular hour but we only have an hour so let us know your thoughts plus two seven eight three 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 two five nine zero five now i'm gonna end up with the, this uh, proverb of the day and uh, how, how does it go it's, um what and what does it mean again i'm gonna ask my uh, producer you, you you strike you strike a woman you strike a rock is that what it means yeah so hey be careful we need to take care of our women in our communities in our families in our workplace let's treat them with love let's tell them they're beautiful and hey let's just take care of our ladies in our lives but that's it from me benjamin mushatama until tomorrow
bread butter on both sides. Took it to the champagne from the Movide. Now everybody, come on. How will I roll? JC Laro. That's all I think about. Sitting up in my room. About sacrifice, flashing lights, rites of passage for bragging rights, bad romances, packs of pampas, and it's a time to be camera shy. But one homie got a gun in the cupboard, my other homie got a bun in the oven. Baby mama getting big in the stomach, pop champagne or the phone cousins. I think it's time to be a man now. I feel like moving to my grand's house. Everybody lined up. 